2: Welcome to Get The Table, another wrestling roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and one of the Dudley boys, Michael Hamflip from What Called You here to discuss another burning wrestling issue. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Could Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, Smackdown, NXT, AW, Dynamite, pay-per-views. We have interviews. More roundtable discussions like this one and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on culture. As said, though, joined by Michael Hamlet and Sir, we are gathered here. We are socially distanced here, for now at least, to talk about Bray Wyatt being released by WWE. Um, By the time this podcast comes out, it will be a week since the news broke. What was your reaction when you saw this all over Twitter
1: on Saturday evening? Um hmm. Medium shock, and I don't mean to say that in a smug sense because I wasn't, like, knocked back off my chair. Uh He'd been, obviously, absent since WrestleMania, and really, let's be honest, you can extend that absence to last December outside of, you know, the five minutes he got against Orton at WrestleMania. Um, Braun sort of changed the game here, and as it will have done, unfortunately, for the wrestlers in the locker room who now probably felt feel more insecure than ever before in a time where they should be feeling the least. Mm. Um Yeah. That, that release when it was especially because it was attributed to the budget cuts and high contracts and things like that. And the fact that you were having names like his instead of let's say the rank and file of NXT or NXTK or the, the lower rung guys where it would typically work that way made you realize that they could potentially be heading right for the top of the roster. And regardless of, Where he was at performance wise or what he was doing character wise, Bray White would have still been classified as at the top of the roster. Mm. So there are, I would say at this point, like not to derail it too much from Bray talk, but you are literally dealing with your Roman Reigns and your Charlotte Flairs as the types that would honestly have your jaw on the deck at this point, for better and worse. um, WWE are rendering everybody expendable. And I kind of, the fact that he had been on television in so long and allowed me to at least consider that perhaps Bray Wyatt was in that, in that group. That, again, that's not me like trying to do the, oh, everybody else was so surprised. I just feel like they've kind of laid out the new rules of the universe mm. and it's up to us to kind of like to maybe follow them and think about that. It's, I, I was sad. I was really, really sad for his like super fans. Um, but I kind of like to reiterate a point I put on Twitter at the time, The sadder it makes you feel, the more you need to think when a Vince McMahon has returned to television and you're doing the way not worthy or you're defending a product because you feel like you should because of a loyalty to the initials rather than because the product is any good. Mm. Um, Your favourites are as vulnerable as everybody else. Mine got screwed in his own country in 1997 and you kind of never go back from that. And like, it's, it, this was, this was that ultimately, but I certainly felt for those that felt like they suffered the news on Saturday because that sense hung in the air for quite a while.
2: Mm. Yeah. We'll talk a little bit more in, in due course about what this means for everyone else. Cause it's like you say, if someone like Bray Wyatt is expendable, then goodness me, what does it mean for some of the lower card acts or people who don't shift the amount of merch that he does. But for you, what do you think the reason he was let go was? Because, of course, they gave the age old budget cuts. Reason that, does that still hold water for you? Or is it, you know, uh, an excuse that they've rolled out almost too many times? Now, I realise, you know, it's a difficult time. Uh, COVID, the pandemic era, et cetera, has put a strain on everyone. But still kind of bollocks when you look at WE's money that they've got coming in from TV deals, etc. cetera.
1: It's their reason. And I believe it to be their reason, but it's a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really bad one. Um, look, I it's it's really strange, right? Because obviously we are privileged to be able to do this as a job, but we're also fans first, and we're fans kind of independent of some of the stuff we talk about and things like that. And I don't think I've ever, as a fan, strictly speaking, on these podcasts, have ever made my feelings on Brea Wyatt much of a secret. And I'm sure we'll like go into that as we go along. But um, ultimately, it's been quite easy to just feel for any wrestler getting released because of the times you know because of the the area that we currently find ourselves in the certain like insecurity in every job let alone in wrestling where it's a crowd-based performance art and even as we appear to be coming out of the pandemic and wrestling has tried to no sell it just this week it's masks at SummerSlam. it's aw nervous about the chicago dates, and so on As so, you know nothing nothing is over the line yet and we've kind of just got to enjoy getting getting a taste as a uh, 2.0 would say <laughs> because it could all go backwards again So releases in this last sort year and a half have felt particularly cruel. Um, But I do believe their reasoning. I don't like corporate capitalism. And it doesn't have to get us some grief in some of our podcast reviews from time to time. But I think you have to remember, like, the people that don't like the system that we're all stuck with don't like it for when things like this occur. Mm. because we are all just workers for our various machines, and every now and then a machine can do this. WWE didn't need to make the budget cuts Um, just that week. Was it less than forty hours between um, the announcement of the revenues for quarter two and Bray Wyatt's release? Yeah. It was something like, I'm pulling the figure out my arse a little bit here. We are indeed no Thurston on this podcast, but I had something like $258 in revenue for the quarter in my head, something along those lines, you know. They could could have found the money down the back of the digital sofa to cover Mm. Bray Wyatt's contract for the next few years, I would imagine. Uh, The digital sofa is that massive. And obviously the discussion about the the merchandise revenue that he had brought in previously suggested that putting him back on television would have driven that as well. Um, But I do believe the reason. I think we are long past the point that... Yes, there might have been nothing for him from Creative at the time, but we've moved on from that era, haven't we? Creative has nothing for you. It used to be the John Laurinaitis line. It feels like we're kind of in the Nick Khan spreadsheet era, <laughs> and he's doing filter by highest price, and he's just running down the list with his finger and shouting out the names and getting a yes or no from Vince. So he filters by highest contract, and then let's say Roman's at the top, and he's like, no, absolutely not. You know, Charlotte Flair, I don't know, Becky Lynch, whatever. Braun Strowman, Yeah. Right, highlight that one in red, we'll come back to that one later. Uh, like on, and it honestly feel like feels yeah. like Bray Wyatt was the next one on that list, and they've returned to crowds, and he hasn't felt like a particularly pressing concern in this time where a lot of people have been, like, I think of Edge and that pop, but there's John Cena, there's others. A lot of people have clearly been chomping at the bit to be back amongst it, and WWE don't seem to have been racing Bray Wyatt back to television. When you kind of boil it down in that very sort of brutal analogy, mm. you kind of... I don't like saying the phrase "makes sense," but in this like imagined scenario, you can kind of see how it happened.
2: It makes, yeah, exactly. It makes a lot of sense in if you put your WWE head on, almost. I yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um. So obviously, speculation about what happens next. We've already seen, you know, the young bucks making allusions to potentially Bray Wyatt coming to or whatever his name is. Windenborough Tundra, I think, is technically the correct title now. Uh, having him, obviously, come to, to AEW. Uh, Andy, when I asked him on the news the other day, said maybe he could fit really nicely into something like Impact Wrestling. We had people questioning whether he could be some sort of Vader type in New Japan. For you, where, where do you think he's, he's going?
1: Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I get where Murray's um, coming from with Impact. If So, like, already we've seen the cult of Windenborough with a K Um, that sort of uh, that kind of character bodes well in Impact if he's going to even lean on anything that we've seen in WWE The Fiend, the original Bray Wyatt gimmick all of that sort of stuff, they've done wackier stuff in Impact than Bray Wyatt and The Fiend and they've gotten it over to a point or they've made it kind of make more sense we talk about this quite a lot, the rules of the wrestling universes that all of the companies try to uphold Um, Impact has a set of rules that has managed to fit the likes of uh, rosemary decay an actual shooting at one point you know they did like their own mockery of the who shot mr burns thing from the simpsons ultimately the you the rules of the universe have been and established that something like the fiend even wwe's version of the fiend would have thrived more than it did in wwe where there were no rules and that was the biggest problem for brain wwe was the lack of rules we harp We harped on about it and we laboured on the point, but I always thought of all the points made in 2021 on these podcasts, it was perhaps the one to labour on the most. How did a draping DDT and an RKO top burning somebody alive? (laughs) Like no rules in that universe. It doesn't make sense. Johnny Cochran shaking a toy monkey in a courtroom does not make sense. Like the fiend was doomed ultimately from the day that the referee threw out a Hell in a Cell match because Seth Rollins put a toolbox on his face. (laughs) Like. A W arguably, is um, the worst place for him because I think probably twice, there might be more, but twice off the top of my head, I think they've even tinkered with the rules of their own universe, that being Abaddon, the character, and when Matt Hardy teleported. And if I'm not mistaken, Tony Khan went on record and said he regretted doing the teleportation thing. And it was like roundly, sort of uh seized upon by wrestling fans as being a bit of a a bit of a low ebb for dynamite in the early pandemic era. Mm-hmm. What the hell is it? Like it looked rubbish. Matt didn't feel any more relevant for it. And Abaddon, you know, a pretty impressive debut but in hindsight was that not more effective as a way to initiate anna jane of the dark order than it was get abaddon over (laughs) yes so even like again that universe sort of the rules of that universe have proved itself even less ideal for a bray character so i I get the impact argument the new japan one is based on i guess what we once saw from husky harris Mm. um a, a bigger guy that can move but the thing about bray is um, and again, all of this is subjective. I don't want to invite the rage of anybody that listens to this that really loves Bray and is still kind of mourning his WWE exit. But you know, show me the really great singles matches. And I say matches because everybody leans on Daniel Bryan from the Royal Rumble 2014. Show me more. <laughs> show me like some really epic singles matches from Bray Wyatt. And yes, there's a chance that because of his character, WWE may have never agented them, have them. And, you know, if he suddenly becomes a a hybrid of Bray Wyatt and Husky Harris and puts the trunks and boots on and works the G1, I'll be the first one to eat my hat, my little straw hat from the uh New Orleans <laughs> Lakes something like that. But, like, amazing if he kind of reinvents himself as that. But for those campaigning for it, like, based on what... Mm. Sh- like, show me more of what you've seen to, to think that that would work really, really well. I don't know. I don't, I don't think... I think New Japan are already finding themselves alienating sizable portions of their audience anyway. If he didn't deliver in a major way, I think that would look even more like the kind of stuff that has put a lot of people off that product anyway. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together.
2: what does this mean for the rest of the roster? Because it's like you say, not just the, the prominence of him on the card, but the fact he could sell a six grand belt and his merch was still selling like hotcakes. And the fact, obviously, he's not just, it's not just him, but he's influenced Alexa Bliss's character. That is still continuing, obviously. Is it concerning if, if you were a part of that roster for you? If it just like the axe can swing at almost any time, it
1: seems. I think it's concerning for all involved. I've not been able to return my let me in boxer shorts and he's not even part of the company anymore. <laughs> like it's, it is, it is really concerning, all flippancy aside. Um, it's, it's just, it's, it's an extension of the Braun one. It's an extension of the, I would go as far to say this. I'm not just pandering to you, an extension of the Iconics one. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain names in the last, um, in the last set of cuts, as well as the, some of the ones from the April 2020 ones that, highlighted what this company was prepared to do as relates to releases now we have entered a new era of budget cuts cost cutting savings however you you want to phrase it of not having the massive talent roster and their massive contracts that was only as recent as 2019 I seem to recall I, I don't mean to pick on these two but they're just two examples I remember at the time there were reports that Jinder Mahal and Dana Brooke had signed very appealing contracts in I think it was 2019. Mm. I'm sure I remember hearing the likes of five years. The figures were good, and it was basically right around the period where WWE were just trying to tie down as much talent as possible as a way to oppress the opposition. That philosophically seems to have changed within the organisation. That tactic as a way to try and put a thumb on AEW seems to no longer be the the approach they're taking. Talent, you know, so we and we're going to see that probably in the months to come on Dynamite if we haven't already of how that can flip the other way and how. All of a sudden, all these talents are getting a second bite, here, and WWE might have to think maybe we should keep more on the books because they know <laughs> how to get our guys over. Um, so yeah, that, they, that might shift again, but currently we're in the stage where, yes, um, talent are if if WWE is there, everything then they will almost certainly be feeling a certain sense of nervousness or perhaps walking on eggshells, but also that there has to be a glimmer of hope for everybody as well if you're going to be a wrestler you accept life as an independent contractor Mm. and yes you're going to work for one company or the other but you know that you're ultimately you're going to be your own boss and you're going to be the one that fights for yourself and if a person is getting released now and genuinely genuinely has the talent that um means they shouldn't have been let go in the first place that talent will be found elsewhere the cream will rise to the top um early days of Miro in AEW were starting to make it look like maybe no company can exploit what this guy can do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Rusev fell over and over again, and Miro's not working. Maybe it's just one of them awful situations where we can all see what the guy's got, but just for whatever reason, it doesn't quite translate. And then sure enough, it's he's got there. Because I would say in wrestling, nine times out of 10, the cream rises to the top. Can you imagine a time where me and you in 2018 would have sat in the office and had a conversation and said, God, I cannot be arsed with any more Dean Ambrose comedy. <laughs> yeah, but talent rises to the top. The cream rises to the top. It always, always does. Talent will always show itself. Um, we've seen too many cases of people wanting to prove themselves undeniable. Cody Rhodes has formed an entire organisation off it. Becky Lynch became WWE's last genuine bona fide star off the back of it. The examples are manifold. Um, and Bray will be another one, You know, as will all of your favourites. If if ultimate... A great example, another guy that I don't think I've been ever high on. Look at where Matt Cardona is right now. Mm. Smart guy who once got over all by himself in WB and they did nothing with it, has found a new way to get overall by himself in a completely different wrestling universe. He appeared on AW and the whole thing felt pretty sterile, didn't it? Mm. It was like, oh Christ, that rider's in because he's Cody's mate. So he's taken a look at the landscape and he's found the perfect way to reintroduce himself into it. And that is because of his like genuinely impressive instincts and his ability every now and then to put the finger on the pulse and feel the heartbeat of an industry. Others will do the same.
2: You mentioned the uh, the Royal Rumble match with with Daniel Bryan. You obviously think of the, the Firefly Funhouse match, of course, with, with John Cena, which was one of the best moments in his entire career uh, for me. But what are some of your other career highlights, WWE highlights for, for Bray Wyatt?
1: This feels like that bit in the uh, Rock Profile episode of uh, Books Fizz where the same way you know we've got uh, Making Your Mind Up and uh, Land of Make Believe, and then of course there was Making Your Mind Up and we also did Land of Make Believe. <laughs> um, no, that's that's cruel. But the Royal Rumble 2014 match and the Five Funhouse match really were epics. Um, everybody's going to say it, so I've not got a hot take for you. The Shield feud was awesome. The Shield feud was absolutely brilliant. Um, The six-man tags were electrifying. They were the type of trios matches that wouldn't feel out of place on a Wednesday night on TNT. Right now, they were that good. Um, The benefit of having not just two hot acts in the Wyatt family and the Shield, but what those two hot acts represented, which Mm. was... An enormous youth movement coming to the surface all at the same time. Six guys that hadn't yet hit their prime, all with characters that the fans are responding to, all offering something quite unique and different to the matches in what their particular skill sets were, in terms of what their characters were. Um, Again, like just worth going out of your way if you don't. Have anything if you're if you short on a rest of the match to watch to fill 15 20 minutes of your time? Go back and check out the like just Elimination Chamber classic they had like proper, proper classic. I'm not throwing that around. Mm. Um, and like some of the individual spin offs of them were really good. Um, and look in good faith, I put this over once for everybody to go and watch when he was merely just a WWE employee and not a guy we're talking about wondering what he's going to do next. Go and watch Bray Wyatt and Roman Reigns versus Alberto Del Rio and Wade Barrett yet again on that Raw shortly after WrestleMania 32. Because, yes, the spot is amazing. And, yes, I always put it over. Shooting Roman Reigns out of his finger like a bullet out of a gun to uh, to hit that spear, the no look point at Roman Reigns. But the whole match is awesome. Like, the two of them that had been these career rivals teasing out a Bray Wyatt babyface turn before that injury. I have often wondered what might have been because that was just after The Rock had embarrassed them. There was absolutely nothing else for them to do as heels. And fans really wanted to finally just be allowed to get behind Bray Wyatt. And I've often, had he not had that injury, like something might have come from that, that I guess we'll never know from that Bray White gimmick.
2: Am I right in thinking at one point it was going to be Bray versus Brock as well at WrestleMania before they gave it to Dean?
1: Yeah, it was, yeah. That, so the, the deal was there, if you remember, Brock was eliminated from the Royal Rumble by all the Whites just walking back in and throwing him out. He'd eliminated all three apart from Bray. And then Bray turned up and he was like, out, out you come. And they all just ganged up on him and threw him out. And it, it was it was quite tepid. It maybe wasn't the, the cool build that people were expecting. You had a couple more weeks. Of, I think Bray hit Sister Abigail on Brock once, I think. Um, and then, yeah, they just changed the course. It didn't... It, it, to be honest, right, I think that was an internal thing. It was possibly a Brock thing about nobody quite feeling it was as WrestleMania-worthy as people wanted it to be. Bray was working with a little bit of a niggling injury at the time, so they'd promoted Bray and Brock once on a pay-per-view and couldn't deliver it. I think um, Brock hammered Luke Harper, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, like in his place and it was looking like, is Bray going to be fit or not? So it was all a bit, and it just wasn't hot. Like, the crowd just maybe weren't biting on it, and it, it happens sometimes, doesn't it? You you position these two, loads of people make graphics for YouTube videos that say WrestleMania Dream Match, and you put the two figures next to each other, and it seems so great on that poster or whatever, but yeah, it just wasn't really felt in the buildings, Bray wasn't fully fit, and it just I went off in a different direction.
2: It, it sounds bad, because we're meant to be sitting here talking about all the great moments he had, but I, I think it's fair to us say, up until he you know, discovered this Fiend character, which gave him such a brilliant new lease on life within WWE. And you and I would will forever heap praise on the build to and the execution of that first match with Finn Balor at SummerSlam. We were bouncing off the walls of the What Culture Office, talking about how, you, how it was like a, you know, a, a monster from a terrifying movie where you couldn't really see him until he's actually in the ring when he's making his entrance. It was just spectacular, all that. But what I was going to say is, for the most part, a lot of it is tinged with what might have been or just you remember where it all went wrong. So you think about, like, the brilliant build to, uh, to WrestleMania 30 with Cena and mm-hmm. had he gone over there or him winning the, t- the WWE Championship in the Chamber, I think it was, yep. and then that building to him versus Alton, but then that happening with Div maggots
1: and stuff. Is that fair? Absolutely, it is fair, totally fair. Hey, look, again, it's, it's such a tricky one with Bray Wyatt because I think a lot of people came around eventually to just thinking this, this is just never gonna work. You know, uh, like at various different points in his career, it, like all of us had our fingers burnt at one time or another, often more than once with this character. Um, you bring up a, a good example there about that Elimination Chamber, that WWE title run, because it wasn't just winning the belt. The Randy Orton Bray Wyatt build up until the point Orton burnt his house down was fantastic Mm. I saw a I went to a um, a taping of Smackdown in late 2016 when that show was just firing on all cylinders Smackdown like post-draft 2016 Smackdown was fantastic and yeah Orton joining the Wyatts and if you remember like breaking the family apart from the inside Mm. to the point where Orton had convinced Bray that he was better for Bray than Luke Harper <laughs> and Harper was sort of given it. Are you ridiculous? You know, what the hell is this? And we never really got like a particularly satisfying Orton Harper spin off feud, which is yet another thing we can lament about how WWE threw away like some of the best years of Brody Lee's life. And then you've got this horrendous WrestleMania payoff and arguably even worse House of Horrors follow through. And that was constantly, as you've alluded to there, the story of Bray Wyatt's career. You can date it back to his debut match. Those vignettes, when he was coming up from NXT, didn't just have the excitement of an NXT audience. This wasn't just Sami Zayn coming soon and all the NXT fans going, get in. These vignettes were brilliant on their own terms. It was like, wow, not only is this really cool thing coming up that we love in NXT, but they're getting the vignettes right. Like we we were so young and innocent then. We didn't know that they were going to screw up every NXT call-up. He was one of the first (laughs) major ones. We just thought, awesome, we're getting the character again. They're spending six weeks explaining who he is he beats up Kane on television. He says, Follow the buzzards. People associate the buzzards with Death Valley. People think he's beating up Kane, he's a darky, gothic sort of character. It's going to be the Undertaker in the end. Blah blah blah. Like, you, you just feel like you set up so much. And then, how rank was that SummerSlam debut? That Inferno match thing where like Harper and Rome were trying to put it out with a towel, and <laughs> like Kane and Bray Wyatt were like tiptoeing around the ring. Like the, the work wasn't particularly energetic or full-bodied. I think it opened the show even. So there was no sense of anticipation on the night for that. It was like like it was as if Vince saw him backstage and thought, don't like this anymore, put it on first and let's get out of the way. Exactly like he did at WrestleMania night two. It's as if the perception has never changed from his first night on the job. And that happened over and over again. SummerSlam, I get quite angry thinking about how good SummerSlam 2019 was, quite honestly. Hmm. Because August. And October when Helena a Cell took place are two months apart. I was furious. That's I remember two them two months he's
2: apart. He's getting, match, he's getting a match for the title at Helen Cell. And I was like, wait, why? Why already? Yeah. Especially once you know, once it happened, we can all be smart after the event. And maybe it's the case of me misremembering it and thinking I actually was quite excited. But I thought, oh, that's really quick. And then when he they were like, Oh, well, they can't put the title on him straight away because it's only been two months. Well, yeah, don't book him in a match then. Certainly don't book him in a hell in a cell match. And they tried to be like, well, it worked out in the end, didn't it? He won it in Saudi Arabia. It's like, well, the, the thing that had already happened at that point. You, you, you've already cut the legs out from underneath him.
1: I just and it wasn't just the cutting of the legs. It was the cutting of the legs, the arms, the head, the spleen, the feet off the legs that have already been cut. Like that was a all time. All time. Um, WWE catastrophe because it's not like Seth Rollins got out unscathed, does it? <laughs> it's just, it's just, that thing took down everybody in its wake. Like, the Fiend was knackered. Seth Rollins was knackered. Hell in a Cell was a knackered. Like, the referee, remember on the bump a couple of weeks later, we've uh, got an exclusive update from the referee as to why he called off the match. Wrestling's fake, WWE. <laughs> the referee wasn't enforcing some rule from a rule. It's not like one of them times when you're like, look, Guys, if the shoulders are down, you count the three. Yeah, but it's, it's predetermined. If the shoulders are down, you count the three. There's <laughs> another page there that says if the guy's got a toolbox on his face and somebody swings a hammer, you call it off. <laughs> what, about, what about all the times that we did even more gruesome stuff than that? If the man has a toolbox on his face, you call it off. If we've kind of been thrown off the top of the cell carrying a toolbox, <laughs> stop. It would have been Montreal all over again. Ring the bell, ring the bell. Like, uh, just, I like the the screw ups were never just. I'm trying to think of a a mild WWE mistake that was easily rectified. It was never one of those. Hmm. It It was never like, it was always, it was always, it was always that. It was always frigging cockroaches on the canvas. It was always a mucky fridge. It was always, it was always John Cena saying that his trousers were pajamas or the rock beating up the family in a second. It was never just a, that's not ideal. Oh, well, we'll turn it around next week. It was like, it's going to take months. It is going to take months and months and months. And Will Smith turned up with his Men in Black device to flash on the fans to get this character over again. Like, Bray had to deal with that. Or, like, right up until he left. What was the last thing he did? He got distracted by his own manager popping out of a Jack in the Box-like structure, leaking goo. Like, to the bitter end, they gave themselves ginormous hills to climb up with the Bray Wyatt character. He's not got a great history. It's a bit like Braun Strowman. He's not got great history
2: at WrestleMania. Yes, you mentioned all those things. Aside from the thing that we'll always have, the Firefly Funhouse, which I'm probably going to go back and watch this weekend because it's just genuinely one of the best things that not only he did, but WWE has done in, in recent years. Concluding here, Hamlet. now I'm not saying that, right, this release, this release just proves it because this question could be could have been asked a long old time ago. But has Vince McMahon lost his touch in so much as he not only has no idea how to create a style in 2021, he has no idea who needs to be retained and who he can lose if they're not doing the classic WWE spring cleaning as they used to do. Like you say, when there was, there was mm-hmm. TNA at worst to pick up the scraps.
1: I appreciate you asking this question now because it's, it's been quite a busy day today. And obviously you can play the pre-recorded answer from the seven other times you said, have Vince McMahon lost We'll just layer that in from another podcast. They'll never notice. It'd be like 16-time world champion coming over the top of it. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, he has. Um, it's not just about um, supernatural characters. It's not just about giants. It's not just about baby faces or heels um, or indeed promoting a wrestling show. Vince McMahon has lost his touch because he can't look at one thing. I'm trying to think of an exception that proves this rule. You can't look at one thing with such singular focus that he ever sees it through effectively. So what that does short-term is kill a character or kill a gimmick or kill your investment in a character or a gimmick. What it does long-term is it kills your investment in every gimmick, in every character. Um, there's often three of us on these podcasts, myself, yourself, and Michael Sidgwick. And how often is he the first one to to either me or to you say, don't get your hopes up about it. Mm. Because he understands, as we do, but I think we're just blind fools. (laughs) He understands exactly where Vincent Man's head's at and the ramifications of a stupid Bray White, white burial back in 2012. And then another one, in 2013, 14, 15, 16, and on and on it went. Like, what that means, that's going to happen to everybody. Like, you, this isn't a Bray wire issue, and I feel when we've done this podcast all about him, like, it's probably quite fitting that we talk about the company's systemic issues rather than just the issues with his own character, because so much of that to do is why he's out on his arse and not just making millions of dollars as this character, because a sizable portion of the fans loved him. Really didn't matter what the other half said, because the other half loved him you know, and would have continued to spend on him. Um, He had, ironically, a cult following. (laughs) There you go. Like, and honestly, if Cult of Wyndham drops on Pro Wrestling Tees tomorrow, how quickly is that going to sell out? You know, like, we know that there's an audience that wants to spend on this character that believes in it. Law became a piss take, but it was invented by those people that constantly tied everything Bray Wyatt said and did to other stuff he'd said and done in his career before. Vince McMahon didn't have the singular focus of people making Bray Wyatt threads or people talking about Bray Wyatt on Reddit. Never once did he have that focus. Of course, he's lost his touch. He produces something for a Monday that he's already forgotten about by, well, I was going to say the following Monday, Tuesday. Like yeah. he's already forgot. He's forgotten about when he's already on the on the flight to the next town on the next show. Um, and the same applies here. He just sees something one day and doesn't like it. And like even knowing what we know now about Bray getting released and perhaps his position in the company being a little bit more fragile than we would have imagined, we were informed that the WrestleMania 37 result change was a day of decision. Mm. Like Randy Orton cooked him at Christmas. Do you know what I mean? Like he cooked him in December and the day of WrestleMania. It's like, you know, I'm not feeling it. Can you can you just imagine Tyson and Austin? Tyson and Austin, Tyson and Austin day of You know, and they've gone off him. Austin, Austin Cotton grows on hair. Sucks. Keep it on Sean. Vince's got a debilitating back injury. He's not going to be able to go after that. Keep it on Sean. We'll figure it out tomorrow. We'll figure it out on Raw. Right. Okay. Like right, it just, yes. Yes, he's lost his touch. Like right, it's a, it's a sort of it's the easiest question to answer with the hardest sort of reasons because this is the guy that probably made me, you, the majority of the people listening, the majority of people that still talk about wrestling now, fans. And yet it kind of like blows your mind to think about how anybody would pick this up today. Mm. Like who, who would pick up Bray Wyatt in 2020 and then a year and a half in, see what happens to him at like a WrestleMania and then he gets the boot. Who would, who would stick with this?
2: Hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, emblematic of what's going on with the company at the moment. But um, let us know your thoughts on Bray Wyatt's WWE release on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, watch they can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... You
1: can follow the buzzards at Michael Hamflet.
2: <laughs> follow me at Adam Wilborn, and you can be in my uh, DMs going... Uh, <laughs> oh, R.I.P. that bit of pattern. I'm so sad. Uh, follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. Make sure you subscribe to what Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, but for now, this has been Get the Table. My thanks to Michael Hampton. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.